Before we get started, a quick disclosure. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Nothing here is an offer or a solicitation to buy or sell any investment. With that, hello and welcome to the Rangely Capital Podcast. I'm Andrew Walker, Portfolio Manager at Rangely. With me as always, my co-host and Rangely's founder, Chris Demuth. It is Monday, October 10th, and today we're going to start by talking about Berkshire getting paid back on their Mars Wrigley investment, and then we'll end with the discussion on a disastrous promotion over at Ruth Chris, and if we have time, we might even lob in some thoughts on Donald Trump's video. Uh, so Chris, let's start with Berkshire Warren Buffett. So uh, they've been in the news quite a bit this weekend. Actually, last night in the debate, Donald Trump uh, called him out by name uh, for taking advantage of tax loopholes. And uh, Buffett actually fired back this morning saying that he paid $1.85 million in income taxes in 2015. And he'd be happy to release his returns despite being under audit from uh, the IRS currently. Obviously, a shot at Donald Trump not releasing his taxes uh, but, you know, the real reason we want to talk is because last week Mars bought out Berkshire's minority stake in Wrigley in order to take full control of the company. Uh, Wrigley, the company that makes uh, double mint gum. Uh, Mars, the company that makes M&Ms and their consumer candy giant. Uh, the, the Berkshire's minority stake came when he helped Mars buy Wrigley in 2008. It was when financial markets were cl- plummeting. No one would finance anything. It was part of a string of preferred deals that uh, Berkshire and Buffett made at the height of the crisis, including deals investing in GE and Goldman Sachs. As uh, Buffett put it, Berkshire, and this is a direct quote, poured $15.5 billion into a business world that could only look to the federal government for help. Uh, they've proven to be fantastic deals. So, Chris, let's chat. Berkshire's Wrigley Investment, Trump's tax comments, wherever you want to go. Uh, the Mars brothers were actually neighbors. Uh, my, my family and I uh, lived for many years in McLean. My parents mm. still live there. And they're just very normal guys for one of the most uh, valuable private companies in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, drive clunkers have kind of a little office in a strip mall mm-hmm. so warren buffett's right at home you yeah. know kind of normal guy big american kind of uh, car uh but kind of very ordinary uh fellow uh and he loves wrigley so I mean, it's exactly the kind of business that he can uh, analyze and uh support you know i don't i don't know much about mars but a lot of people have speculated that is a perfect it is a perfect acquisition candidate for warren buffett at some point it would be right up his alley great brands brands mm-hmm. he loves consumer products or it could even be a acquisition candidate for uh Kraft Heinz with mm-hmm. 3G's backing if you wanted to go that route but probably with the family control it's more Warren Buffett but neither here nor there it, it would fit culturally yeah. you know uh, you know he jokes about like liking to have a kind of the one page facts I'm mm-hmm. sure they're to, to the remaining businesses the kind of the facts machine ready to go on each end um but yeah no it's interesting uh you know uh, Berkshire made 680 million dollars just by the time the market had stabilized after a few years after this deal uh he puts this in his other investment category of about 17 little over 17 uh, billion, um, and I think, gee, you could just make your whole career out of just other investments. Mm-hmm. It's the perfect category uh, where uh, nobody else was able to come in. He got to set his terms in a crisis environment, and it was uh, spectacular. Big by most people's standards, not that huge a part of Berkshire, but an extremely successful one, and one that the also flush. Uh, 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 Mars uh, did not have any particular need for at this point. It was expensive capital, yep. and they're uh, 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 easily bankable, and so they can uh, replace it at this yeah, point. Yeah, look, I mean, we've mentioned this, both of these facts on the podcast. Uh, recently, Warren Buffett, those other investments have been an increasingly big part of his deals. Mm-hmm. These prefers, we also mentioned him maybe helping Dan Gilbert finance the Yahoo things. Doing these deals where he's taking advantage of Berkshire's cash and getting special deals by giving 
his stamp of approval has become a great deal for him. Uh, and then on Mars, it makes all the sense in the world to cash Buffett out right now. Like Coke is borrowing 30-year bonds at 2 3 4%. When you can do that, why pay Warren Buffett high single digits, low double-digit interest rates when you can just go take some debt out and buy uh, and pay this off at much cheaper rates? So mm-hmm. it makes all the sense in the world. Uh, switching over to the tax thing for a second, you know, I think that pop culture kind of casual references uh, really conflate tax evasion. Uh, uh, with uh, managing tax and appropriate legal tax avoidance. I mm-hmm. think actually if you're an agent, you have a fiduciary duty to uh, avoid any uh, taxes beyond and above what you pay. But in this case, uh, Mr. Trump's comments were, uh, I think casual would be the most, uh, but they're really out of place. It was unclear what he specifically was referring to. It did not seem to be accurate involving Buffett at all. Yeah, look, Warren Buffett, he pays $1.85 million in taxes, but that's because all of his net worth for the most part is in Berkshire Hathaway mm-hmm. and you know that's low cost basis stock and he'd only pay real taxes on that if if he had a taxable event if he sold it and he doesn't sell it he gives it away to charity so in some ways yes he's kind of taking advantage mm-hmm. of corporate loopholes but it, you know once you put some thought to it like him just giving away low tax basis uh, stock to someone else that that's not really you know that's exactly what the tax code is intended for. Donald Trump taking nine hundred fifty million in net operating losses. Yeah. Uh, I, I think there's a lot questionable. There's a lot questionable there. Um, I would say one. Um, I have a lot of concern about tax loopholes, and I'm a skeptic of a huge amount of the philanthropic deductions, Mm -hmm. but I have no skepticism of what Buffett's doing. It's exactly what it's intended to, including the fact that his uh, causes and the end use of his philanthropic dollar is highly progressive. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's helping uh, people on an extremely rational, uh, progressive basis that I... I have a hard time not supporting in uh, in every detail, uh, and it's done very well. Also, also while Berkshire in uh, comparative terms is a huge percentage of his net worth, in absolute terms, he's actually a, a, quite a wealthy individual outside of Berkshire. He doesn't need, mm-hmm. he doesn't have problems with grocery money. Uh, he's fairly active trading and investing, uh, the small percentage, but quite a significant dollar figure that he manages personally. And so uh, there's really no games that he's playing. Yeah, no, 100% agree. And, and, you know, it's interesting, just turning to the Trump taxes, you know, it was $950 let's call it a billion dollars in net operating losses in Mm -hmm. uh, one year. And in order for him to claim that, like, at the time he was having creditors forgive debt at pennies on the dollar. Uh, I, I believe when you do that, you have to report a taxable gain at some point or else it... I, I believe that there is a good chance that some uh, investigative journalist who do, dug deep into this would be able to find some type of uh, debt parking tax avoidance scheme if they really had access to a lot of his books. Just, you know, $950 million, I believe somebody said it was like 3% of all net operating losses reported in that year. It's just a staggering figure, and there has to be something going on there. Either he paid a lot of taxes the next year, or maybe more likely, I don't know, there was some form of gaming that an investigative journalist could probably win a Pulitzer for. I would also say that if you look specifically at Jeff Amazon's uh, CEO, Jeff Bezos, if you look at his uh, work 
on the Washington Post that I think, as I've mentioned, I believe has just been extremely successful. Um, the people who have been following some of the Trump issues have reported so well, and because they're a multi-sourced mm-hmm. publication, they're very comfortable to speak with. Like they're not going to publish something out of turn yep. because you mention it, uh, but uh, they're getting to the bottom of this so well that if you had any uh, interest journalistically or strategically, if you're a political opponent, say, uh, you kind of would know who just who to send it to, and it would uh, be treated well. <laughs> yeah. it, throw it to the New York Times or the Washington Post, and it will be treated well, broken. Well, uh, you know, we might talk a little bit about Trump later, but let's sure. go to Ruth Chris's disastrous yes, promotion. So Ruth Chris offered a promotion that came back to bite them this weekend. So their Michigan location offered customers a percent off their bill equal to Michigan's margin of victory for that week. Uh, and Michigan beat Rutgers 78 to nothing this week. And the, the location responded by saying, oh, the offer is capped at 50 percent off. Uh, A lot of fans were not pleased with this qualifier, though I will say they were still eager enough to take advantage of this that uh, every reservation for this week sold out like that. The chain actually said, we're done, no more reservations, the chain's full. But, you know, I I think it showed a lot of different things with these kind of cheeky promotions, and I'll let you have the first crack at it. Yes, um, so uh, it's, it's interesting how they behaved. I absolutely think that they should have paid. They should have paid every penny. I think the corporation should have helped the local uh, promoter if necessary. Um, I think that uh, if you're a fan, call for reservations in the first quarter once you start to see this going (laughs) the way that it was because it'll be constrained at least by tables. I mean, they could have limited it by tables and they could have limited it by... uh, 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 They could have limited it by the amount of food that they have. Um, uh, and, uh, so there are other, uh, ways that they could have limited it. Um, but you know, it shows that your life is so much easier. You know, if you study in philosophy, utilitarianism, should you go based on the act or the rule, just rules like following what you say you're going to do, uh, it would have been easier, uh, to do. And, uh, and it would have been the world's most awesome, uh, advertising and free advertising. So on the, the advertising, I think it's interesting. This shows kind of the problem with franchisees versus corporate owned, right? This is a franchise location. And it might have been better for Ruth Chris as a whole if they had honored this obligation. But for the franchisee, you know, a restaurant, uh, you you generally operate with kind of 30% cost of goods sold. So if you sell something for 78% off, that means you're effectively selling a dollar of food for 75 cents. So you're losing a quarter just selling the food. You know, you're selling a dollar steak for 75 cents. And that's not including any of the overhead. A franchisee would go bankrupt if they offered that for one week. And not only the food, but 78% is almost a big enough discount. You could actually just buy extra wine and anything like that. I I think alcohol was actually discounted. It was was specifically excluded. But it doesn't matter. You're getting a... $100 $100 steak for $100 steak on its own for $78 it's going to or for 75 whatever it's going to be a disaster the other thing is i think this shows the issue with cheeky promotions and kind of unintentional consequences with this sort of stuff you know i know you love cheeky promotions taking advantage of rules I, I i think the the most famous failed sports promotion was uh the cleveland indians in like the 70s offered 10 cent unlimited beer night and everyone was hammered before the game even started and i think they had to cancel the game or something you know but it just shows you really need to factor in like if you're going to offer unlimited beer, you don't factor in and say, hey, a normal person will drink two $5 beers, so we're only going to lose 980 You have to say, hey, we offer unlimited beers. People are going to drink 15 beers. You know, that, that sort of stuff. You have to sh- 
you have to factor in kind of the fat tails of the unintended consequences. Go ahead. Absolutely. From time to time, when I've actually been in the middle of one of these, I found the casinos are consistent at paying. Uh, they're good at modeling and thinking probabilistically, mm-hmm. being good game theorists. And also they figure if one or two percent of advantage players suck out a lot of value, there's maybe the third to tenth percentile think they're advantage players, mm-hmm. but execute so badly they give all the money back that the advantage players are doing. Um, airlines tend to uh, renege on their offers. Mm-hmm. They seem to respect their reputation less. Also, their cost structure is so, such that uh, it's very awkward for them to uh, to honor uh, 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 queer d- deals like this. Um, but and they just don't seem to think uh, in the same way about it. Yeah, once a month, or sorry, not once, like once a year, you'll see something where oh, airline X wanted to offer like forty nine ninety nine promotions and accidentally offered four ninety nine mm-hmm. promotions, and I would say like. It's 50-50 if they'll honor the 30 seats that they sold at four ninety nine, or if they'll cancel them or, or something. Uh, but, yeah, I think it just shows, you know, power of incentive. Well, this promotion shows you really need to think about, you know, the average score of a football game might be 20 to 17. So you might budget, oh, a 3% off. But this is fat tails in sports. Every now and then there's a blowout beyond anything you expect. You offer 78% off, and you need to cap it. I, they probably would have been better off just with a – 10% off if Michigan wins. Yeah. Same idea, but uh, you're kind of cap- capping your upside. Okay, so why don't we take uh, – we've got about two minutes left. Why don't we talk about the Trump video last week? You sure. Know, it, it was the biggest thing. And, uh, you know, obviously the Trump video came out. He used uh, language that I don't believe this podcast can support. Nope. But uh, I thought it was funny. The Wall Street Journal in early August, they updated their obscenity policy that allowed <laughs> it to be used if it was inside of quotes. So we got the Trump quote on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. What fortunate timing. But uh, – you know, I'll, I'll let you talk about anything you want to talk about here. Yeah, no, one of his roles in history, uh, uh, right in the middle of his uh, somewhat longer than 15 minutes of fame, is the Wall Street Journal uh, having to loosen the obscenity rules just to cover him in large part. Uh, you know, the problem with obscenities is uh, there's so few of them, uh, and they're not that descriptive. So, you know, it's really uh, a, a situation where... Uh, it's not that descriptive. Uh, you don't swear almost at all. No, you, you, no. You almost never. Almost never. Almost never. It also gets somebody's attention a lot more. If you exactly. don't get angry and you don't swear and then you do, then it's uh, – I'm about to swear now <laughs> just to say the reaction one would have. But you say, holy moly. You know, it's, yeah. it's no, I've only sworn maybe twice in the past three years and my friends know like if it ever happens. It's, it gets uh, one's attention. It, yeah. but gets one's uh, attention. You know, I, I think some interesting stuff has emerged from this. You know, you were the one who was pointing out to me early. Trump's unfavorable rating at 63% is among the is the highest ever for a political appointee. I mean, Clinton's not great at negative at 50% unfavorable, but her net unfavorable is 9% versus Trump at kind of 27% even before the video. And I thought it was interesting this weekend. A lot of political strategists had said, don't attack Bill Clinton. Don't do all of this other mm-hmm. stuff that Trump kind of went and did, which might be uh, an indication of someone who's realized, hey, it's a Hail Mary for me to win this election at this point. So let's do things that are crazy and random just because when you've got a Hail Mary, you might as well do something that has low expected value but high variance around it. And it yeah. seems like Trump has started pursuing that strategy. And there are times and places for that. Whenever I do uh, uh, stock competitions, mm-hmm. I mean, what, every single one of my – uh, sincere entries. Uh, I don't believe historically he's ever had any overlap with the portfolio because I'm just looking for variance. If there's thousands of people involved, if my thing goes down 100%, I feel good. Maybe it could have 
gone up by as much. And, and, and look, it shows. Uh, it, it also shows a little bit of agency problem too, right? At this point, Trump and the Republican Party have taken a lot of donors' mm-hmm. monies, and I believe a lot of donors were kind of asking for their money back over yeah. the weekend in protest. And at this point, he can do whatever he wants with their money. And we see this a lot of times with management teams that are entrenched. You can't ask for your money back without forcibly removing them. If they're not big equity owners, they might not care. Go ahead. He's literally, and I don't mean this as an insult, he's crude. He's not somebody who makes fine uh, distinctions. And one of the things you really see a lot about this year is it's a very, uh, it's a year where a lot of voters seem to be very tribal and very disoriented. I mean, one of the things that I don't recall from past elections at all, having been involved in politics uh, in a lot of different roles in the past, is Everybody seems to be very quick to want to kind of label and categorize mm-hmm. uh, people. If I write anything about Trump, I, I've never so frequently been called a liberal, which yeah. might not be a, not a particularly useful uh, uh, label, uh, at least uh, in the 20 and 21st century meaning of the word. Uh, but it, it's like people want to kind of name their tribe. It's very much like sports fans yelling at a ref. Uh, it's not very fact based, uh, but it's kind of this Agreed. us versus them group. Uh, and, and it's a very emotional. Motive, very cathartic. People just trying to, uh, they're so excited. If he can yell at Hillary the same thing they wish they could, yep. seems yep. to have very little to do with beating her and will uh, be almost certainly counterproductive. You know, I thought you made a great point this morning, and we might, ha- we're kind of out of time, okay. so we'll expand on it at a different point. But you made a point this morning uh, if things continue to go this way, like there's not going to be pieces of the Republican Party to pick up left. So no. they, they might need to think about doing like a hard reset, and mm-hmm. why not if he completely destroys it? And it kind of combines with my point. If he continues to pursue these low expected value, high variant strategies and they backfire, I mean, you could be looking at a historic, uh, a historic sweep in the general election. And then, you know, Paul Ryan and the remnants of the Republican Party might look to start a new party under a new name and kind of wash themselves of Trump completely. Uh, 15 seconds. If I told you outside of WikiLeaks coming out with uh, a video that showed Hillary Clinton literally shooting someone, this election is over, would you agree with me? Yes. Yeah, it's just really tough to see any way. It's it's over for the White House. Yes. Uh, I think it's interesting if he will lose by double digits. I think some of the states that nobody's been talking about might be in play. I think the Republicans probably lose the Senate fairly decisively. I don't think it's over for the House of Representatives. Yeah. 538 at this point, they've got the map that shows, and I mean, everything is starting to turn blue. Like Texas is 20% for Democrats at this point, just esoteric states that you never thought could be mm-hmm. in play are somewhat starting to get in play and it, it could get worse. Georgia uh, and Arizona could be blue. Uh, he will almost certainly win South Carolina and Utah, but it might be only by a few percent. Yeah. And he's actually starting to brag about things where he's up by a few <laughs> in states where Romney at this point was up by double digits. It's like the Republican Party is 55% for me at this point. It's like uh, the Republican Party should be 98% for you. Exactly. Anyway, we were over time. That's all the time we have for today. Before we hit our disclosures, just a quick reminder. If you like this podcast, please be sure to follow and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, Audio Boom. Chris, disclosure is none for me. I think you're Long Berkshire. I am. And we're both short Trump, so that's yes. working out well. We'll talk to you guys later this week.